Hi, everybody. Am I coming through? Oh, thank you. Thank you. That, that's, that's what a, my South African accent is one that's been here 20 years and his is fresh off the boat. So. I'd just like to correct Mark. It's uh, you got the accent and I don't. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine. Um, it's just such a privilege to be here and uh, we had the privilege on Friday evening to be with the elders and, and to connect and, and have a barbecue. In my country it's a bride. Um, but certainly it was a great time to, to be with the elders and, and you people are honestly in very safe hands. This is a great team, a great leadership of, of, of Mark and Deborah. Um, and, and what I really enjoyed about the time with the elders is that Jesus is the chief shepherd. And it's an equality of elders, but yet Mark and Deborah lead it, but they make Jesus the chief shepherd. And um, it's also been a privilege for me and Maureen on over 26, 28 years that we've been working into Africa. Um, I still have a great heart for Africa, um, to go to the places where the streets don't have names, where the poorest of the poor, where there's no ablution facilities, and uh, to preach the gospel. Because the gospel needs to be preached to the ends of the earth. And uh, we've had the privilege of seeing some very creative miracles, and I want to share just two of them with you. It was about a year ago that we were in Malawi. Um, that's also just uh, north of South Africa. And uh, a man had been given two weeks to live. And he had a huge tumor that was forming on the outside of his body. And they brought him through to us to pray for him and nothing happened. How many of you guys know and girls know that sometimes nothing happens, right? But uh, we prayed for this guy and, and, and worshipped and carried on. And then at the preaching of the word, suddenly this man jumps up and he picks up the tumor from the ground. And a year or so later, he's still alive. As God just touched him and, and, and healed him. And nobody can claim it. Only Jesus can claim that healing. And it was such a wonderful thing. Another opportunity... Uh, also, recently we were in Mozambique and a lady was about 70, probably about 71 or so years old and, and a land, a mine had exploded and she had no eye. It was just a piece of skin. And as a whole team of us were praying for her, out popped an eye from that skin that she could read with. And it was just such an amazing thing. And I just want to say, friends, Jesus and the gospel is alive. Um, just a little story of me and Maureen. We've got two boys. We've been leading church for about 30 years. And, and, and God's just been so good to us. And the uh, last while we've been translocal. So we are able to travel across the, the, the world. But my early beginnings as an 18, 19 year old boy. I was in the army. And we were at war with Angola. And uh, I was part of that war for 13, 14 months. At one stretch, I was in that war, um, saw many lives lost, many people killed. And uh, ourselves and my friends and some of our friends next to me got killed. And, and it was a very desperate situation in South Africa at that time. And uh, I remember years later, married to probably Miss World. No, she's actually Miss Universe most beautiful girl on planet earth. Um, we married 37 years now. And um, 
And it was in that time of getting to know Jesus. And I remember him sending me back on my first mission trip on the battleship. Jesus sends us out. And he sent me back to the place where we took life. And he said, now, Kenny, you go give life. And I've taken the gospel into Africa and still go into Africa and love Africa. And I want to say, God is preparing some drug addicts that are sitting in our midst that came out to go help drug addicts. He took me to the very place that life was lost to give life so that it could be living again. There's some of your marriages that have been broken and God's healed your marriages for you to help marriage. Finished. I can carry on. <laughs> and and you know, this morning I was we staying at Russ and um, and Glennis's home, and uh, I had a zit. You know what a zit is? Do you have zits here? We have zits in South Africa. And I had a zit, and I pressed it, <laughs> and it used over his mirror. And I want to say, Oceanside, you need to be good sits because you're going to ooze the love of God everywhere. So tell somebody next to you, you're a good sit. You're a good sit. Now that you've got the sit story out the way, I want to speak this morning to us on developing an invitational culture. And I'm just so glad God's put this word on my heart. Purely because I'm hearing the gospel to go out from here. And, 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 and so I'm just very pleased that God put this message on my heart. Because not only in Africa, not only in the places where you've come from and God saved you from so you can go minister again. But we need to develop a culture of invitation to this King, Jesus. So let's turn to Mark chapter 2, and we'll pick up on verse 1. Mark chapter 2, and verse 1. And the Word of God says, And when he returned to Capernaum, after some days, are you right with the accent that you've got and I don't? We good? It was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together. Say many. So that there was no more room, not even at the door. I'm hoping very, very soon this new place you're going to is too small. Sorry, Mark and elders. It's your problem. I'm just declaring it. And as he was preaching the word to them, they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Can you imagine that? This story is amazing. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which a paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. You know, whenever Jesus does something, because Jesus is unconventional, how many of you know that? The religious start having a battle with it, you know, because the religious somehow can do that. 
And then a little way down, then they have a fight and they start arguing with Jesus. But then Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, which is easier to say to the paralytic. Your sins are forgiven or to say, rise up, take your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went before all of them. And they were amazed and glorified God saying, we have never seen anything like this. My prayer is today that we can go home and say we have never seen anything like this. And every time we gather, that would be the echo of our hearts to say, God, we have never seen anything like this. Because of the power and the glory of the gospel of good news. When we look at developing an invitational culture, it is very important, I think, for us to look at Jesus. Because ultimately, we invite people so they can meet Jesus. Whether it's salvation, whether they need to be strengthened, whether they need to be cared for, healed, loved, trained. It's about bringing people to see Jesus. And when people see Jesus, there is only two things that can happen. We will be amazed and we will glorify and say, you've never seen anything like this. We need to be available to create opportunities for Father to draw people to Jesus. And I honestly, honestly, more and more believe this, that every single believer carries the now message of the kingdom of God in them. An invitational culture says, I am willing to do whatever it takes to tell and to show people Jesus. So let's have a little look at the life and the person of Jesus. There's a writer, Walter Wink, that says this, If Jesus had never lived, we would not have been able to invent Him. There is nothing traditional about Jesus. There is nothing conventional about Jesus about who he was and the ministry and how he walked life. In saying that, there should be nothing common. There should not be nothing usual or traditional about us as we live out Father's call. Hence, the story about the zit. How many of you could relate a zit to using the love of God? Well, today you don't. So looking at the ministry of Jesus, his ministry was totally outside of the box. His birth was unconventional. A virgin birth in a stable. His childhood was unusual. At the age of 12, he was teaching in the synagogue because he loved connecting with people. His first known miracle was so unconventional, it still causes problems to the religious today turning water into wine. The choosing of his disciples. Yo, as a South African, I mean, the, the New Zealand has something to say. South African will say, Aish. Say Aish. Shame. Shame. <laughs> the choosing of his disciples was Aish. 
tax collectors, fishermen, unlearned men, onto his team. Many of Jesus' miracles were strange. He waited for Lazarus to die before he went to help him. He spat on the ground. How many of you got bad news today? Hey, I want to do some spitting. <laughs> it's awkward. <laughs> he put a, his finger on somebody's ear. He told people when you need money, go get it in a fish's mouth in the water. The religious people of Jesus' day thought him so unorthodox, so eccentric, that they hated him and wanted to put him to death. What we learn from Jesus is this. He did whatever it took to get people saved, healed, set free, and delivered. Jesus is the power of the Holy Spirit. And He still wants us to be full of the Spirit to reach our communities into the nations of the earth. Every unconventional method and way Jesus it was always designed so that people can be brought to Jesus and into the kingdom of God. I think if there's ever a generation that is harder, harder, you saying it in your harder, harder, to reach by traditional and conventional means, it's the generations that are coming up behind us. We need to think outside the box. So how do we get out the box by traditional means? And, 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 and how do we get people to meet Jesus and eventually be incorporated into a local church? I think we first got to see what is the box. I think the box is traditional mindsets. And I'm in my 60s now. And it's very difficult to break some of the mindsets that we've grown up with into looking at what's unconventional. Our comfort zones. The generational and cultural barriers. We need to break through those things because there's one king and there's one kingdom culture and that's the culture of Jesus Christ. It has never been done before this way, mentality. And I'm an old oak. Well, old oak. Oak is a person. Old man. I want to say to us older guys, let's let the next generation go. But let's join them. When we hand over a baton, we run with the next generation. Because it's about a gospel. And the gospel's not about gender, color, age. It's about a gospel of a king. Pastors many times keep people in the four walls of their buildings. And they cannot get out there. So I'm just so encouraged. At Mark's prayer, Debbie's encouragement, Deborah's encouragement this morning. Just to, hey people, we need to get out into the communities. I think wrong thinking many times keeps us here. Conservative thinking, you know, sophistication I think is destroying the church. Where we become so sophisticated, where Jesus seemed to be unconventional and pretty wild. We must determine that we are Holy Spirit-led and following the example of Jesus. Why? Because we have got a message. 
We have the message to proclaim to the next generation, to our communities, that Jesus is alive. And for God so loved the world, He gave His Son, Jesus. We become so sin-conscious, where God is love-conscious. And we've got to be full of the love of God, and show the love of God. The message is that Father and Jesus love you. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Imagine our communities full of the love of God. Evangelize through the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of the kingdom. I think a simple definition of evangelism and the culture of invitation is this. Introducing people to Jesus. The hope, the encouragement, the love our friends, unbelievers, our work colleagues, neighbors, and family need today can be found for them when they need Jesus. Eyes can be open. Ears can hear. Those that have been declared dead can be alive. Sharing Jesus with them is something that should come easy to us as Christians or believers. Sharing Jesus with them should be something every Christian should enjoy doing. Sharing your faith with, with somebody should be natural without effort and struggle. Sharing the prophetic hope of encouragement, of comfort and strength should be in every believer. Consider this. If a scientist or a doctor found a cure for cancer and you care about people as a doctor or the scientist, would you not start telling people what you have found? You would use the internet, Facebook, radio, Twitter, Snapchat, what are some of the other things that's available now? One of those senior guys that don't know all the modern stuff. I would just speak to somebody, but anyhow, you guys, younger people have got all these other ways. But you would tell people you got the cure. When you have somebody that's dying of cancer because of this terrible disease, you would speak up. You might even go door to door in your neighborhood asking if there's anyone's loved ones because you've got this cure. It would not be long before people were starting to seek you. Can I tell you something today? This should be our attitude when it comes to inviting people to come to church. To get to know Jesus. To be part of a loving family. Because we have got the answer. We have got the solution of all solutions. We have found something or someone that the world would need and need to know about. His name is Jesus. And He can give everybody direction and meaning to life. Jesus can heal marriages today. Jesus can deliver people from addictions today. Jesus can set people from bondages of despair, hopelessness, depression today. Jesus is Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides as we come to the mountain of the Lord. He is our Savior. 
What is it going to take to get this message of this great God to our communities? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I want to lose some love because I'm getting pretty intense here and I'm not an intense person. <coughs> when we have to take the roof off, the ceiling off, and embrace the privilege of telling people about Jesus and inviting them to where fathers, sons and daughters worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords together. There are no limits. There are no cultural barriers. There are no boundaries. There should be no place we won't go if the Holy Spirit tells us to go. There should be no reason for us not to tell and invite people to the one who loves them and can give them eternal life. There is no method we won't use to get this message of hope out to the world. God will use anybody and God will use everybody who will allow themselves to be used by God. All we need to do is say, here I am. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be an apostle. You don't have to be part of the big five. <laughs> you know the big five in South Africa is the lion, the elephant, and all of those. In the ministry, there's also the big five. Never make them the big five. They are there to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. Look at who Jesus used to get the message across. Jesus used the much hated tax collectors. You guys don't hate your tax collectors in Canada, right? Pray for them! <laughs> he used a man who was possessed by demons after Jesus delivered him. Jesus used children. He used the five-time divorce who was now living with the man. And granted, she had to turn around her life around, but she got a whole city saved. He used the woman caught in adultery to teach and show grace when the woman should have been stoned. Actually, me and Paul have something in common. Because Paul also got stoned. So did I, but not with an actual stone. Before Jesus' days, I also got stoned. Anyhow, that's South Africanism, right? How many of you have been stoned before you knew Christ? Hopefully never after that. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. I'm starting to feel at home, right? <laughs> Jesus used the deaf, the blind, the sick. He used a dead man to draw people to freedom. Jesus first had to heal many, deliver them, redeem them. But after he did, they started to tell their story and many came to know Jesus. I had to go through a walk as a young man, 18, 19 years old, and years later to go back and bring love. Friends, Jesus is talking to them. How many of you know that? How many of us know Jesus is just speaking to the church? You name it, and Jesus did it. Jesus' mission was clear to him. His mission was to bring 
the kingdom of God and he did it through invitation and he did it by being invited to many things. He had the message of the kingdom of good news. We need to understand something today. God wants to use you. A little while earlier you pressed each other and out used love. Now say to somebody, God wants to use you. He wants you to take the blessing He has blessed you with to go and bless others. God wants to use your time, your talent, your voice, who you are, to tell others that there is a saviour, a king, a friend who can help you in the life challenges we all face. God is looking for a willing people that will go out into the nations unashamed of the gospel of good news and grace. We will never reach our communities if we do what everyone else is doing and everyone has done for so many years. We will not reach our world if we sit back and not tell people about Jesus. We have got something to get excited about, church. We've got something to get excited about. We've served God for so many years, been in the ministry for many, many years, engineer before that, and the army fighting wars before that. But I want to tell you, I'm more excited today than ever about the gospel of good news, ever. Oh, friends, many of you don't know me, but I want to call you friends. Purely because of this, we've got a mission to do together. And that's to go share the gospel of good news. We've got a message our community needs to hear. We've got something that's changing lives. And, and we cannot sit on the miracles that Father wants to release into the nations of the earth. It's going to take thinking outside the box just like Jesus did. Religion focuses on behavior, but Jesus focuses on relationship. And that's why he wants us to go out there, because he wants to relate to everybody. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We have got a message. And the message is Jesus cares, Jesus loves, Jesus wants to help you and wants to speak to you. Jesus can set you and others free so that we can enjoy abundant life that he's promised to us. The friends in Mark 2 that we read that scripture knew that their friends, their friend needed a touch from Jesus. We have the privilege to invite people to respond to the loving yet powerful Son of God, Jesus. Let's do it. I end off with this scripture in Mark chapter 12, verse 19, 29 to 31. Jesus answered, The most important is here, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind and all your strength. 
know, when you see this big New Zealander here, you know the strength. Eh? But I want to say, you got nothing, bro, on the strength of Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is just so powerful. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. See, Jesus, in these final words that I want to share, shows us how we can walk out His great commandment by developing our culture of invitation that's unconventional. First of all, we need to know this, that Jesus loved His Father. He obeyed His Father. He only did what Father told Him to do. Yet Jesus would offer Him withdraw into the quiet places so that He could pray and He could minister and be ministered to by God, by Father. We also ought to be able to refresh ourselves in those moments when life is tough. But then Jesus also acted out the second part of this great commandment. He loved hanging with friends, family, unbelievers, wine bibbers, tax collectors, with the sole purpose of bringing them into the kingdom of His Father. Jesus loved inviting people, and he himself was invited, and he used these occasions for the gospel of good news kingdom message. Jesus loved being with the twelve, with the seventy-two, with the four thousand, with the five thousand. He would invite people many times where he reclined, and he would ask questions, and they would ask him questions. He attended weddings, funerals. He blessed babies and children. He had meals. He reclined. He went to the feast. He invited the poor to a banquet. Jesus unapologetically invited people and he himself was invited. We should get to community events. We should create community events. I believe we should be seen at sport functions. We should join community events and eventually invite them to meet with Jesus and be incorporated into the local body where saints honor and love their dad, our Heavenly Father. You see, when Jesus introduced the kingdom, God raised a forerunner called John the Baptist. He was a wild man. Say wild man. Christians. <laughs> we need to be radical. We need to be wild men and women, relevant in our day, unashamed of the gospel of good news. Now, third thing you don't say to somebody next to you, you're going to be a wild man and a wild woman for Jesus. But let's see some wildness here today. Wildness. <laughs> Not weird. Wild. <laughs> well, I'm weird now, I suppose. <laughs> if we follow in Jesus, who was unconventional himself, unreligious, in his ministry and his ministry style, and he invited and was invited, 
and we are being transformed into his likeness from glory to glory. Surely it is time for God's people to break the ceilings that are keeping us that are keeping us from presenting Jesus to a dying world. I wonder if we could stand and I'll hand over to our